0: On this episode, we talk about storytelling, how to build a village in the middle of nowhere in Ghana and the importance of trust. Coming up! Over the past few years, we keep on hearing that 2020 to 2030 it's a critical decade. Humanity needs to take bold actions to reverse the many unsustainable and unjust practices that brought us here. Actions that ultimately will save our planet. But what is really happening behind these high-level statements? What is humanity really doing differently during this decade? Hi, my name is Tudor Tarlev, and I am the host of Action Decade podcast where it is my mission to discover and interview communities that take bold actions on specific on-the-ground challenges during this critical decade. From building new sustainable villages reshaping policy, mobilizing civic society, reinventing education and democracy, experimenting with new economic models and whatever else in between that could help us restore our chances for a flourishing future. I aim to find and share what works and what doesn't when it comes to collective actions and community building for the greater good. I hope for everyone listening There's something of value to take out. Enjoy the show! Hey, hey, welcome to episode number one of Action Decade podcast. I'm so happy to kick off the show with an incredible story coming all the way from Ghana. But for now, I would like to take a few moments for some housekeeping items. First, this is a brand new show. So if you find any segment, any part of the interview that is relevant, interesting, I would really appreciate if you can like it, share it, leave a comment or tag a friend that might find this story relevant. Next, this is intended to be a co-creation experiment with people who are listening to the show. So if you have feedback or if you have ideas for show guests for new topics please head to ask actiondecade.org or .com and you'll find a very simple form where you can submit your questions ideas suggestions for the podcast guests and i'll do my best to ask those questions in the show and eventually email them to you or just post on social media uh, with a tag so that's it now let's Kick the show. So my first guest is Clement Matamassen, if I say it right. He is an incredible creator, educator, and community builder. Living his childhood on the streets, he got support himself to get an education, to eventually become a teacher in a technology college. And he always dreamt of ways to pay it back, to share. He's he's a humble, grateful human being with a big dream, and without further ado, I would love to actually invite him to to share his story and to tell you more about the Dreamyville, what made him start and build a village and a community that is flourishing today. Enjoy. Clement Matmasen, welcome to the show. Thank you for Spending your weekend time for the first episode of uh, Action Decade Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well. I'm honored to be with you.
0: Awesome. It's, it's a pleasure to listen to your story and to share it with the wider community. And for the beginning of this episode, we're going to play a game, which is five in five, five questions in yes. five minutes. To get a feeling of the story and and hopefully to inspire people to listen to the rest of the interview so question number one what is exactly dreamyville and um, what excites you about building this project
1: dreamyville is a home for young people to come and uh, find inspiration Um, basically it's a place for them to come and dream
0: so so you build this from scratch, basically, in, in, in an yes. empty place in Ghana. Yes. What What kind of story or struggle inspired you to build a village?
1: Yeah. So from the age of six, I I was basically I was on the street and um, I just wanted a place that I could find as my, uh, you know, my home to to be able to make a living. And I couldn't find this. So I grew up on the street and the street taught me a lot. So I wanted to provide the opportunities for others just like me to be able to have their basics met and their choice to be able to dream bigger.
0: Beautiful. And if you had to imagine for, for a moment that you're not building a village for dream development, but doing something completely different, what would that look like?
1: um there are two things i either will be an it expert and training people on computers or i will be still on the street trying to make a living
0: the first one is not that that bad (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: not at all
0: from from building dreamyville what is the most valuable lesson perhaps something that you didn't expect when you started
1: when i wanted to build Dreamerville, I thought I was going to give to the society. I thought I was finding purpose by giving out. But in the process, I earned gained so much, I realized that I was rather, even though I thought I was giving to people, I benefited the more
0: and finally, in the five in five minutes, what is the value of dreams? so so you you have dream in your name. Uh, You also say that it's a village for dream development. Why dreams, especially for young people or older people, when everyone around us says that we need to be practical, we need to be responsible and so so on.
1: Yes, a lot of people have dreams. You know, we are are not the only people who dream. Everyone has a dream or a vision or a purpose of what they want to do in this life. And unfortunately, many people are not able to achieve that. And it's all because sometimes they look at the picture so big so dream village purpose is to narrow it down that you can take little steps to achieve that dream no matter how big it is
0: nice we actually did five in four minutes so we have okay. one, one minute <laughs> to, to dive deeper now i would love to take everyone listening either in the video format or as a podcast to this interview on a deep dive into the story behind the the dreamville because i find it fascinating all the iterations all the struggles and and the way that you uh managed to get people around you to eventually build a village yes so let's let's dive a bit into the story how how did it all start and and um, I have a few pictures. I will share them for those that are uh, following this on YouTube. Great, you can see the yes. visuals. For those that are listening in the audio format, uh, Clement will refer to to them. But you can get the picture in, in general. <laughs> so the floor is yours. How how? What was the origin story of uh, of Dreamville?
1: Yes, um, Dreamville started for me as my way of finding purpose in life. Um, At the age of six, I grew up on the street uh, without my parents and a lot of people um, helped me. And so I have been looking for a purpose, something that will give more meaning to my life besides just living and I dreamt of this place where young people like me and the aged will come and share ideas and be able to dream. Um, growing up I was a young I was a creative person. I liked to do things and build things and I dreamt of being able to 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 inspire and create a lot of things but I was so busy, hungry and looking for a place to sleep that I didn't have the space to dream. So I realized that growing up, if I can provide a place where young people can have their basics met, they will have the space to be able to build and dream bigger. And I think that is where my inspiration came from. And so I always had this picture of building a very holistic community where we have our own water, our own food, our own clothes. Everything is being made a holistic community where these young people can come and find this space to um, move out of their survival mode into a state where they can now dream of a bigger future. And and that is when Dream Village started create uh, building up in my head. And um, at the point in 2007, I even made a mural artwork of how I wanted this this uh, dream village to look like.
0: Uh, what happened after the mural?
1: Yeah, after the mural, I I was, I was actually looking uh, for a place to put it into practice. But unfortunately, um, I realized that to put up such a place required uh, a lot of resource. That's the first start. Um, and it also required a lot of experience in managing companies, people and so many other things. So because I realized that it won't just be easy to simply just go ahead and build a community of my own, I decided to go on an expedition to learn. So at that time, I, um, I was teaching at a computer school and normally on Fridays, um, I would find some projects that I could do. And one of the projects that caught my attention was an orphanage because, uh, as part of the project I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to handle the old age people who would transfer knowledge to the younger generation. So, since that kind of project was not non existent in the country, um, I wanted to look for something that was a little bit closer to that kind of system. And I realized that the orphanage. Um, was, was one of the closest uh, organizations that is close to what I wanted to do as a dream. So I understudied a friend who had an orphanage and um, moved there. So normally in the weekends, I will teach from Monday to Friday. And then in the weekends, I will travel about 12 hours to that community. And then I will help them to do fundraising and make Media build their websites, blogs, uh, social media handles. Try to just build something that will bring more support to the orphanage. Uh, after some time uh, of helping the orphanage, um, I I met my wife through that to to that to the orphanage. Uh, she was then a medical uh, student, and um, we decided that we wanted to full time find a way to help the orphanage. And so basically I quit my job in Tamale. Uh, I moved to Damango, which is where the orphanage is. And I started to actively and full time help the orphanage um, as an administrator. So I did this for uh, almost two years. And then um, before my wife joined me in uh, Ghana, and um, basically she couldn't find a job in that community. So we had to move out, but then we kept supporting the orphanage from a distance. Now, during that process, I wanted to also see, okay, now I've gathered a bit of experience. So let me see if I can try this dream village idea that I had. And so I got some piece of land and I started building some structures with local materials, trying to, get this this project started. Unfortunately, because my hard, wife had a job at a different location and I had to move in between the, the locations, um, this, the project failed. And then I had to think about other alternatives to be able to still give back to the community. So I thought about two projects. That was one was providing basic reading and writing skills to young people and from the lessons I've learned from the orphanage, I realized that putting children in a one box or location where in the vacation, you see all the other kids going home and these children are stuck to one place, wasn't a good thing. So that for me, I didn't want to support the orphanage system, but I wanted to provide a method where we can still support destitute and underprivileged children in the communities but this time, not bring them to one place, but then put them out in communities and let people adopt them, whilst our organisation find the support and the materials to care for their school, their health, their education, you know, all those kind of extra things that um, will make them able to thrive in a community. So I did this for quite some time, and then. Uh, we did several projects uh, at the end, we had more than uh, 400 children within our project at that time to just provide basic reading and nutritional support to these children. And I, it was really, really an eye-opening moment because um, I find so much joy, especially when you go to this community and you see the smiles and the faces of these children whom you think you are just you are coming to help, but you get so much back in terms of warmth and joy and happiness. Uh, it, it it really uh, transformed my life in how I viewed uh, life as a as a whole. So moving from there, um, I, I I kind of wanted to continue on that path. So uh, I was doing a lot of other things, just trying to uh, make a living and to support society. And uh, one time I had gone to do some work and made some money and was on the way, um, going back to, 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 to Tamale where my family is. And then I stopped by a community where my, one of my cousins was a chief there. So I just stopped to say hello. Now, when I stopped as a curious person, I just wanted to find out what is in the area, what is available there and what are the possibilities there. So I took my phone and was just taking a shot and then making a walk around the community. And I saw one girl coming out of like a forest. So I I, I was right on time capturing this young girl and then she tripped on a stone and fell. So I thought maybe I had caused a distraction for her to fall. So I was a little bit worried. So I went to to try to help her to get up and I asked her where is she coming from. She where did she get the water? And then she said she had to go back. Now one of the things that um inspired me that moment is that I felt I had distracted this young girl from from carrying the water and that she fell down. But the speed at which she got up and the energy she used going back to get the water, she wasn't. She didn't spend time to cry and mourn about having the pour the water away. She just got up with some joy and then she was running back. And so I followed her to where she got the water, and that is where I realized that you know we a lot of people are, are, are not appreciative of what privileges they have, Um, the community uh, place of water, getting their drinking water was so dirty that it was impossible to even imagine it. So I I thought, okay, maybe I'm not going to allow this girl. This is such a passionate young girl um, with the potential. This girl can do wonderful things because she's resilient. And so I thought, let me provide some solutions. So I gathered every little bit of money I had with me, and then I brought in some machines to drill a borehole in the community. And, um, and that is how the, I started making impact. So basically we brought in the first borehole uh, to the community. And, you know, when, when the borehole came, we didn't have electricity at the area, So as a result, we had to use the generator to pump the water. Now, with a a community of about 700 people um, of using 10,000 liter um, uh, uh, tanks, um, when you pump the water in the morning, by the time all of them will get water, then there's day breaks. Most of the kids that come to get the water will go to school late because there's no enough uh, pumping stations and they will have long, long queues just to get water. And one of the problems I identified was that we were pumping the water in the morning. So, and I asked the team that was helping me, why not we pump the water throughout the night? And then um, in the morning, the tanks are full for the community to fetch. Now, of course, it's easier to set than done. So even though I said they didn't do it, and so, at one time, I decided, okay, let me let me set the example for them to see that it actually can work if they spend the night to pump the water, and in the morning the 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 community can get the water. So one time, I spent about a whole week uh, pumping the water for for the community. So I will come in the night, I will, I will sleep at the pumping station and pump the water. And the community will come in the morning to take the water away just to try to set an example that it is possible to serve the whole community uh, with this system if they would just do it right um, in the process i attracted a long lot of young people you know a lot of young people uh, were thinking okay you are from the city uh, you have basically everything you want in the city we are admiring and wishing to get the opportunity to go to the city and here you are coming to our level and not just that putting your own comfort aside and spending the night uh, pumping water for a community and this was all done for free so it really uh, started drawing attention to to, at this point
0: i'm i'm wondering so so you have A wife in the city (laughs) at the same time you go work somewhere earn money yeah stop on the way home and actually invest what you earn into helping this (laughs) local community (laughs) yeah well while sleeping there during the night to pump water what 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 was going on for your head why why did you do it um the fact is that people gave up
1: A lot growing up on the street, there's one thing that if there's anything you will learn, is that do not be ungrateful. That is the one thing that you will learn if you grow up on the street. Now, once other people have helped me throughout my life, you know, getting education, getting support to even help, there are moments where I, I felt so sick and paralyzed, and just people came to help me. And so for me, it was not enough just to see the problem and just walk away. I believe all my life that if you have been given the the instincts and the conscience to see a problem, you are part of the solution. You are to contribute to make that uh, problem to go away. And of course, with every challenge that is thrown at you, you can choose to say that, well, I don't care or I can move away. But for me, the moment... I saw the problem, I knew that somehow the universe have chosen me to be part of the solution. And that is what I did. And I have done that over my lifetime, even when I was a lecturer, there are moments I will take my salary and students that I was teaching will just come to me and then I will use my money and pay their school fees. And I think that was also the the trigger point where uh, my wife, Realize there's something I'm not just a normal person. I, there's more to me than just uh, 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 what I was doing, and that is what made me to meet my wife. So in fact, uh, just being able to give out to society has given me way more than I could I could I could ever wish for. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it is it's a character that I build over time, but it is it is who I've become.
0: So so going back to that moment where you spend nights pumping water um and and how do you, did you transition from this moment of kind of a soul hero to a community how how did you manage to get people around you that would trust you in in going to the next level yes.
1: uh it's it's actually quite easy it's that you need to step out of your comfort zone. <laughs> that is as simple as it is. If, you, if you're going to be able to help someone and you are just going to sit up there and tell them what to do, um, usually they don't believe you. But if you're able to come to their level and um, you know go beyond their expectation, uh, usually then they start to build trust in you. And I think that trust is what created all this because they realized that this is a guy who has everything basically that he needs. Uh, my wife was a medical doctor and a lecturer in the city. So as in terms of survival, I didn't need to be in a survival mode. So I could simply decide to choose a better life for myself. But the moment I came down to their level, I didn't stop there. I went even low below their level to a point where um, I slept in the bush in the middle of the night and pumping water. It wasn't comfortable. I'm not tell- saying this because it was fun for me. No, it wasn't fun for me. It was lots of mosquitoes. There were moments I had malaria over and over again, and just because I've been receiving too much mosquito bites. But it also built trust. It also gave me something much more. You know, uh, After some time, a lot of young people were coming there uh, because we were pumping the water in the night, so they will come to me, and then we will set up this fireplace, you know. Uh, and around the fireplace, we will tell stories, I will share some of my personal life stories with them, my motivational life, things that inspired me. And it was interesting because these young people, um, you know, they don't have the books to read. Most of them cannot read and write. So they cannot read the the stories of all the inspirational people out there from Mandela to Kwame Nkrumah and who and who. They couldn't read it. And the few people that are in their community that they found as role models, usually most of them are looking for opportunities that I already had. So for me, I was going to become a role model uh, to them by sharing my life story and telling them that it is possible. It is possible to grow up on the street. It is possible to to not have someone to support you and still have a dream and the possibility of making that dream to actually come true. So um, for me, that was the, the turning point where, I started sharing my life story with them and that brought more and more young people closer because they could see themselves in me and my stories reflected them and my 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 scars my scars were evident of all the troubles I had gone through so it was easy to show them it wasn't like somebody writing in a book or telling them a story or something I had the evidence of all that I went through and the places that I, they know, I shared the stories with them. They knew these places. So it was very easy for them to, to be lifted up, to get more hope, to get more belief that their dreams are also possible.
0: So from from this moment, when you sit around the fireplace and you tell stories and, and, and you pump water, you still have this dream of, of building a village in your mind, right? Yes. So how did you manage to to go to the next steps of, of building the first things uh, around yes. that, that water reservoir? And specifically, how did you get these young people on the journey with you? What, what kind yeah. of values, what kind of things did you put in place?
1: So, um, like I said, Bill, when, when I provided the water, you know, when water is in a location, it also provides so many more possibilities. <laughs> you know, uh, it provided the chance to grow vegetables because these young people, they will go to the community to buy food. And I thought, why would you go to buy food if we can grow our own food? So we started to make some small irrigation sites and grow our own vegetables. And as a result, uh, the numbers that kept coming, we could accommodate everybody because now we have the space to to feed them, and then we had the 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 something for them to do. And then I thought well if we have lots of people of coming for to get food to eat, let's also find something to do. And then this this dream village idea started coming strongly in my head, I thought, okay, now we have a lot of young people who are finding inspiration in me and are looking for something to do. I feed them, uh, I provide some basic needs for them. And now we have a lot of farm hands. So why don't we use that hands, uh, that labor to do something? Because then they can also feel fulfilled that they are not just coming to me to get food to eat, but they are coming to also be able to help in doing something. So, as a result of uh, making, providing them with their basic needs, uh, help together growing food, uh, we now have enough time to to build things. And so, then we started experimenting with using local mud house uh, mud to build local houses. And basically, that is how it all started. You know, we first started with a room, thinking, okay. Uh, we will have some place to put our stuff in case um, we go to the site, and then more and more people started coming, and we started building and expanding and expanding. <laughs> and you know, the more they came, they realized that these are very curious young people. These are people that, if you give them the, if once they have do, do no need to be in the survival mode. Survival mode is the state where young people are just struggling to find something to eat, a place to sleep, and a place to call their home. You know, and once you take out the worry of you know this 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 basic need, then they have the space to now think outside the box. You know, but until you do that, they are in a survival mode and some of them will go into different vices stealing and doing other things. But once they know that, look, I don't have to worry about what to eat at the end of the day, then they have the space to dream. And if you look at the building, some of them were doing artwork. Some of them were doing carpentry. Some of them were doing uh, mason work. And, you know, and we, they started coming with ideas. So Dream Village over the speed when we, we started in uh, in 2007 and within 2000 and, uh, 2020, we, uh, from 2017 to 2020, we had expanded our building structures to Nubian vault structures, uh, building dryers uh, and started going innovative ideas. And in fact, it got to a point, uh, we start, young ladies started coming, young people started coming for training. Uh, so we gave them training on agriculture, on value addition, product value addition, tractor mechanization, and even mo- moved from there to computers, giving them computer lessons, um, innovative ideas, started, you know, giving them the tools to build uh, things that were in their head. So it was very interesting that once you provide the basics, and people do not have to worry about the basic, they now have the room to dream and dream bigger. And you know, f- and from there, like some of them will come, sir, can you give me something? I want to be able to make a, like a sign board with the name Dream Village on it. And, like, why not? Let's give it a try. And they come, some people come, sir, can you give me uh, some materials that I can build uh, a, a tree house? Uh, you know, then they come up with all kinds of ideas. And you realize that these people are not dumb. They are, they are smart young people but they just got lost in the process of trying to find the basics uh, to survive. And for me, that was an inspirational point that I realized. If I could provide more rooms, more space for these young people to come and have their basics met, we can develop unimaginable possibilities.
0: Beautiful. You already shared so many lessons uh, that are valuable. But I'm wondering, for you personally, what is the one thing that you'll learn in the process that you didn't expect when you started? Uh, For me,
1: the the most part of it, the lessons that I learned is that continue to do what you love. It may not pay you now but someday eventually it will pay. Because when I started Dream Village, it was just giving, consistent releasing of funds and resources. And it even gets to a time it was so difficult because I was out of cash. And these young people will come and encourage you, say, you are doing a good job, let's continue. And they will push you forward. And as time goes on, you realize other people see what you're doing, they understand what you're doing, and they, they, they see you trying, and then they come in to help. Uh, and, and so for me, I realized that there's no dream that is ever too small. Because once you put your heart to it and you start to make little, little steps, no matter how small they are, just little steps. Because right now, when you go to Dream Village, the mud houses that we initially started, I know what is there. It has, you know, changed to very complex structures. (laughs) That's, uh, you know, because people are now thinking out of the box and doing all kinds of innovations and uh, think, you know, and I was in, I couldn't foresee this, you know, I couldn't foresee that possibility. It was just for me, let me try something small, no matter how it is, let's try something. And then, by giving out, I began to receive so much more because right now, a lot of people call me the expert <laughs> of uh, developing sustainable communities. but uh, I didn't start and I guess as an expert or anything. In fact, I don't even feel like one, but just the 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 constant um quest of trying, and then you realize that you are building a track record. And that has that 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 has brought a lot of people in my pathway, and especially like the Herman Katsi, uh, uh, Herman and Katsi from the Dream Academy. They 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 just they found my project and they spoke to people about it, and uh, and they're like, yes, let's go and find this crazy young man in the middle of nowhere, transforming lives. And the story just started blowing out. You know, <laughs> you know, we moved from just having uh, young Ghanaians coming to this place, to people coming all over the world from Austria, from Belgium, from Germany, <laughs> from where, all coming to this place to find inspiration and to also just share the ideas. So um, what started initially as me just doing my own things, because i took the steps it transformed and started growing bigger and bigger and so it gave me the the mindset that never limit your dreams just try whatever steps you can to move forward and other people will see the light in you when you do not give up because for me i mean i started this dream way back in 2004 four, it didn't work then two thousand and, and 2007 i drew it on a wall and, uh, all the way to 2017 before <laughs> it started to look like something tangible. So if I was just, uh, looking for the money or things, I would have given up long time. But, uh, I think once you believe in the dream, don't give up,
0: keep on going. So keep going about this. What is your dream for the next stage of Dreamyville? What do you want to do? Already? My, my, my dream
1: is to really bring Dream Village to a standard self-sustaining community. You know, we, we want to be able to provide our own water, our own electricity, our grow our own food, organic food. because uh, We want to be able to provide uh, a place of comfort for people who want to dream you know, and make it into like a vocational training center stroke, recreational center, stroke, just a place for people who want to dream. If you want to build a satellite and you want the space to do it, we invite you to come. If you want to build a yacht, we have water sources around us. Come, we will build it. And so for me, it is just a place for people who want to dream to come together and by sharing your ideas and brainstorming, you realize that your idea is actually not as crazy as you thought. There might be other people who think, okay, maybe let's put the pieces together. And so it's just going to be a community of dreamers, all thinking and working and thriving together.
0: So talking about a community and people coming together to, to dream and, and keep on going, how can people listening or watching this interview support you and and your dream
1: yeah well dream village is a home for everyone i mean um if you are looking for a place to go to africa build your dream idea or build your your uh idea we welcome people to come there from education to architecture to agriculture to energy Uh, so we want to build a small circular economy around the dream village project so we invite people to come but apart from that we are also training we are providing free training to young people out there and helping them to realize their dream our hope is that in in a few years we will get to a point where these young people will be able to develop products that can meet the market and in turn dream village will make a percentage to continue to support young people but until then um, dream village is solely non-profit uh, and so we depend a lot on support from other people hopefully uh, in the next few years we will overcome that challenge i think in the next three years we will become self-sustaining community per uh, all the things we are putting in place before if you if you check us on the maps, you will see before there was nothing in the location that we were. Now we are seeing a lot of structures, a lot of um, things come into possibility because uh, people believe in us. So I, anyone that believes in us and want to support us in any way financially, uh, get us the materials, energy-based materials like uh, off-grid systems, electricity, uh, water sources, we want to bring our place to a place where we do not depend so much on the government grid, but to be to build a community that is self-sustainable. So, if you have any tools, um, uh, carpentry, masonry tools, that metal works, anything that will help us to, you know, basically build this community, we welcome this. Um, so uh, we are not limited to only financial support. Uh, We have currently a fundraising going on uh, that we are are using because we want to train uh, some students that we started with this year. We just want something small to buy materials for them to complete Uh, because of the corona uh, finances become a bit tough. But we welcome people, not just to give your financial donations, but to also reach out and come to us and visit Dream Village because it's a it's an interesting place. Um, the challenges that make Dream Village unique is the fact that it's located in a place where you know you don't find all these NGOs and all these uh, nonprofit people going there because it's not on the radar and it's not easily visible to the world uh, because we are located in a very remote area of the country. But it's also that makes us unique. You know, that makes us unique. So if you are looking for adventurous places to go and spend the holidays and weekend, unfortunately, with COVID, we don't know what is going to happen. But there are possibilities that uh, we make it still open now. Uh, People can visit there and uh, we can inspire each other.
0: Beautiful. So I'll share also the the links to your website, the fundraising website and various other resources in the show notes. Uh, both on youtube and and the podcast um and and people can check it out support you and so on now i would love to summarize a bit your story with a few key takeaways that that you could share with the action decade audience so first what can you recommend any books resources or people that really inspired you and and you think it's valuable to to share with others yes
1: um I think for me, um, I have been more of a practical person. So I always look for people that go beyond their limits. And I think the first people that has gone beyond their comfort zone to project Dream Village is Herman and Katzi from the Dream Academia community. In fact, uh, I was just in the middle of the bush doing my own thing. You know, uh, Nobody believed that what I was doing had any international uh, significance. And they came there, they saw what is there, and they started to project it and show people. And it's interesting to know that at this moment, there, is, uh, there are people all over the world from Kenya, from South Africa, who are seeing this example that I set and they are trying to set up similar uh, projects in their country. So for me, Herman and Katsi from the Dream Academia, world they really tr- helped transform uh, what I what I'm doing now and I really appreciate them
0: so because probably not everyone has access to Herman and Katzi wh- what do you think is the the wisdom or the lessons that they transferred to you that were really valuable the
1: the 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 the, tra- the, the main thing I picked from them is their selflessness to 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 go the extra mile. <laughs> you know, they, they 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 came to Ghana. They weren't supposed to come to my place. They just heard about my story and they went took more than, you know, 12 hours drive just to go into the middle of nowhere trusting that it is going to be fine. You know, and that alone was was something so special. They 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 they, they send a message to you that Start whatever you are doing, but trust the process that it is going to be fine. And that is the main takeaway I had from them.
0: In terms of takeaways, what what kind of habits did you build in the process of creating this village that really served you well for yourself as an individual?
1: Uh, For me as an individual, I mean the main thing is work hard. You know, we have a lot of dreamers out there. I am not the only person who dreams, you know. There's a lot of people who dream out there. But one of the main um, problems that most uh, dreamers face is procrastination. You know, they don't want to start. I'm not just a dreamer who sleeps and dream about having very fancy buildings. I take action every single day I wake up i take a step towards my dream if i for 3 days i have not moved towards my dream i know that i'm in the wrong environment so every single day you take a step towards your dream even if people do not believe what it is just take the step just take the step and that for me is very valuable working with this community people have taught me that in fact their life is an indication that taking the step, no matter how small, can transform your, your, your life. You know, Dream Village would not have existed if I wasn't just going to help them, you know. And if I had not taken that step, you know, I wouldn't have even seen the possibilities. When I tried to do it on my own, I failed. But the moment I gave it a step and a, a step of faith and the community trying to help someone else, you realize that my dream rather came true. So for mm-hmm. me, that is, that, that take the step.
0: You almost answered the next question, but I will still try. So, yeah. So now we are in a decade where everyone says, you know, we either take action and and reverse some of the disastrous things that we do to our environment or economy. Yeah. Where we'll be really screwed. Yeah. So, in in your experience of you know working with a community, doing something very specific on the ground, not you know some big words in a big conference, but really working with young people and community. Yeah. What is your perspective on, on this idea of, you know, taking action, sustainable development, uh, and, and the future in yeah. general, if, if you have an open mic and you could send a message to, to the humanity, what, what would that message be?
1: I think it's individually, let's take a step. Sometimes we feel irrelevant. We feel that our action, if it's just a matter of turning off the tap, you think it's not maybe relevant. You know, um, if it's just a matter of writing a post, sharing someone's post, um, sharing someone's story, you may think it's not relevant. Giving a dollar or five dollars for you may not be relevant. But to another person, it is very crucial. So if you take a step and I take a step and somebody else takes a step, then we are moving towards the right direction. But most often, human beings we get a little bit comfortable. You know, we we so far as it's not affecting us personally, we are in our comfort zone. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know, somebody's story. It's it's far away in Africa. They are suffering. Don't worry. But when those Africans cross the rivers and the deserts and come over to Europe and they cannot find jobs to do, they rob somebody, they take somebody's resources, and it goes back into affecting you. You never know. They, they sometimes bad things happen in these processes. And uh, some of the stories may look very far away and it's affecting someone and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother you. It won't affect you in any way, but it will. Uh, for instance, we talk about climate change. A lot of people think, well, in fact, if you go to Africa and you talk about climate change, most people still don't even believe it. But they are paying the biggest price right now because our rain patterns have changed. The amount of rainfall we have have changed. Um, we are having big droughts as a result of of this. So. We are sitting in Africa and we'll say, okay, we don't care what the European people do when they are emitting all these gases into the atmosphere, but we pay the price now, you know, COVID when it started, we were, oh, it was in Wuhan in China, don't worry, it doesn't matter, it will not come here. And we are all paying the price. So I believe that if we all can take a step to, when you see a problem, you are meant to be part of the solution. And that is an essential and important lesson I've learned all throughout my life.
0: Awesome. Clement, I'm so grateful for the time you spent with me doing this interview. The first episode of the Action Decade uh, podcast. I am honored. honored. (laughs) Same, likewise. And the final question, where can people find more about you, uh, Dreamyville? How can... They get in touch with you and if they want to do something similar or together with you
1: yes yes um right now we have our websites um we have uh, Dreamerville, dreamerville.com dreamyville.com uh, d-r-e-a-m-i-v-i-l-l.com uh, you can find Dreamerville there um on We also have on uh, YouTube, uh, we have YouTube channels that we post some of our videos. We have Facebook, uh, Dreamerville. Uh, you can find us on Dreamerville, hashtag Dreamerville, at Dreamerville. Um, For my personal life, sorry, you can find me at quekuclement.com. That is K-W-A-K-U-C-L-E-M-E-N-T.com. Uh, you can see more about uh, about my life story i i love to share my story because a lot of young people can find relative uh, connection and for me that is, is this is this is important and thank you for giving me the opportunity to let those who have not had me for the first time be able to do that i appreciate that a lot
0: my my pleasure clement um we'll we'll share the episode shortly on YouTube and uh, the podcast mediums. Thank you so much again for for sharing your story. Best of luck with the next steps and your dreams for the dream village. Thank Thank you you
1: very much. I appreciate that.